Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and business manager, manager Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Bryce Totes, lead photographer Estin Parker III, and staff writer Kevin Garcia. Hey, guys. I know it's been a few weeks since we last recorded an episode, but I just want to know how you guys are doing recently. It's been a busy few weeks uh, in the sports world. Um, I know we're going to touch on that later, but you know, overall, pretty good. Yeah, doing great. Glad to see you guys, man. Yeah, right there with y'all. Been busy, but been pretty well. So, yeah. And um, you, you, you are right, Bryce. It has been a quite a busy week in sports, especially for FAU, uh, both good and sad. And uh, we'll start off with a good, then we'll at near the end, we'll talk about what happened. And for starting off with uh, FU baseball, they played uh, four games throughout this past week. On the 23rd against the Miami Hurricanes, of course, they lost 7-1 behind a sold-out crowd of a mixture of FEU fans and Miami fans. But uh, it was an exciting, it was a, uh, it was a, <laughs> it was an exciting atmosphere of a game to be at. And then a three game series against the UTSA Roadrunners, winning two or three and getting their offense back in the rhythm. So Bryce, uh, what have you seen from the baseball team that they should look for more consistency out of or just, just, just to keep it up? Yeah, up until uh, this past week, it, it was a rough stretch. Um, at one point they had lost four or five. Um, but if you look at that Miami game, you know, it's not everything that the score shows out to be. Um, for the first six innings, it was a pretty good game, pretty competitive. It was tied. And then the bullpen fell apart, and that's been the story all season. Um, and that's something that I know the head coach has talked about, that he wants to see more improvement throughout the bullpen. That's one of the reasons why on Friday when they played UTSA, he had starting pitcher Hunter Cooley go eight innings and throw 112 pitches for a career day for him. What about you, Eston? And Bryce, going off of what you said on the game on Friday, at least, like at one point, too, it looked like he may have come out um, because he didn't start that well. Um, even I heard on the uh, – when I was right next to the dugout, he, uh, I can't repeat what he said, but needless to say, he wasn't very pleased at first, but um, yeah, I think they've rebounded pretty well since the Miami game. Um, but the bullpen has been particularly frustrating, even um, on Sunday against UTSA. Uh, we threw, I think it was Jacob Josie got um, a pretty decent amount of time coming off as the reliever. So um you know, outside of, well, I'm not even sure who our best relief pitcher is at the moment. You know, I, I feel like you can make an argument for maybe Evan Waterbore, maybe Sam Drumheller, but the consistency is um, been really poor. So in terms of, you know, quality appearances, but altogether, I think that, um, you know, they're, they're starting to gain some momentum, especially at this point in the season. As for you, Kevin? Uh, I mean, I, I think agreeing with you guys, the bullpen's been a soft spot. I mean, putting up runs is a bit was a bit of an issue throughout those games where we were losing. Um, I mean, it wasn't a problem against UTSA, and that's really, I think, the key, too. The other key, just being able to score runs, get runs on the board, and, yeah, against UCF, and then later on against Rice in the next upcoming series. 
but yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much covered it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to pit, when it comes to the pitching, that's pretty much the X factor for FAU of when it comes to them having a, like a big winning streak, that pitching has to improve. And for the offense, it must stay consistent as well as it's been for the most part this season, the offense has been uh, what's uh, been the most entertaining for, to see from FAU this season. And with Nolan Shanuel being the, the best highlight of the offense, leading leading the team in batting average with 436, that's that's very solid for Shanuel coming into his second season after a breakout year last year as a freshman. So Nolan Shanuel and guys like Nolan Shanuel, Gabriel Rincones Jr., Stephen Loden, and yeah, <laughs> you just they just got to keep it up. And as as they they as they play more road games as the season winds down they as of this recording they start what will be a four game road trip first st- starting off with starting off at Orlando against the UCF Knights on Tuesday at 6 p.m. it is available on ESPN plus and then after that they head to Texas for to take on Rice University from Friday to Sunday so guys, uh, what are your what is your outlook on those four games in particular? So looking to Tuesday's game against UCF, that's going to be a tough game. Um, they always have a tough time against UCF, but it is a winnable game if they can hone in on their fundamentals and that bullpen. Part of the problem with the run scoring that Kevin mentioned, um, it's been explosive, but it's mostly been home runs. Um, they haven't gotten down to that basics of base hits, so that's something they should focus on on the offense and then you know, it, it'll be tough if you have to have a relief, a reliever come in for six innings like Jacob Josie did on Sunday. Um, and, you know, I think Tuesday's game is going to be more of a game they can take away from to head into the weekend series against Rice. And that's how they can, you know, focus on their conference play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, SNU, were you about to follow up? Yeah. And I mean, they have lost um, three of their last four. Um, including they lost their most recent series to Samford at home. So um, they've been pretty inconsistent too. So this, while it will be tough for us, I think that um, I think that the Owls can pull a victory there. If not, they can get, uh, they can, they get them again. I think the following week, Um, you know, and who knows, maybe Kendall or maybe Caleb Pendleton will hit two grand slams again like he did last year against UCF be great. So we'll see what happens. It's always fun when we play UCF. Yeah, definitely. Let's hope for the best. And to our next sport, which is football, they are two weeks into spring training as they are preparing for their annual spring game that will take place on April 9 on a Saturday at 6 PM. So guys uh, for Bryson Esten, uh, what have you seen from the team so far with their, with their practices and completing one of their first scrimmages uh, so far throughout training. See, I mean, practice hasn't been vamped up too much when it's been open to the public so far. Um, but I know that uh, it, it looks nice having two new coaches on the offensive and defensive side. I know that Coach Taggart is very happy to have them on the staff, but he says there's still a lot of work that needs to be done um, with, with moving forward. I know there's been a lot of alumni and former football players that have come to the practices to show up as well. Uh, Notably, Greg Joseph um, was there 
on Monday. And that, that's kind of motivation. I know Nick Tronti has been there a lot too as well to kind of help these guys. So it's nice to see that they're still in the early stages, but I think it should start getting more intense as the week goes on and further weeks. Plus, um, John Mitchell's been there um, for a few of the practices. And for the couple of practices that I was there for, um, and to my knowledge, the, the defense has been – the defense looks really good. Um, I think that, you know, granted, it, it's, it's spring practice, so take with that what you will. But um, it's, it's both encouraging for the defense and – Offensively, hopefully, um, especially during the spring game, um, we'll see some more progress from them as well. Absolutely. I think wide receivers have been a focus from offense, just judging from what we see, especially with the uh, quotes from the coaches. You know, they were talking about um, Dejounte Wester and, you know, Brent Damon referred to him as a matchup nightmare, which, I mean, Wester, I think, is posed for a breakout season, so... And then on the defensive end, the linebackers seem to be a focus as well with a, a point of emphasis on Eddie Williams, where Taggart actually said he was one of the brightest guys he's ever coached, which, I mean, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty big praise from the, from the head coach, so. Yeah, um, we'll see how the team, how the football team decides to show up for the spring game, how they approach <laughs> it, and we'll just see what happens then. And for our last FE Sports topic, and this is the more sadder one, and that will be involved softball. On March 26th, softball head coach Joan Joyce died at the age of 81. Throughout most of her lifetime, she left an impact like on everybody throughout multiple sports, especially softball, and as her time as FU coach, uh, with her last achievement being her 1,000th victory as a head coach, being only the 42nd head coach to do so, and besides that, taking FU to multiple chain, to multiple national tournaments, just winning conference championships left and right, and just having excellent winning seasons and just being an impactful player overall in multiple sports throughout our life. And guys, um, what do you think, Joyce? how Joyce leaves an impact on FEU and across the national level and even over the world throughout her influence. I mean, there's so many reasons why Joan Joyce is going to leave an impact. Um, you've heard a lot of people call her a legend over the weekend uh, from people like Billie Jean King to people she's coached to people she's played against. I mean, she even struck out Ted Williams and Hank Aaron once. Um, and she left marks on multiple sports. She was a pioneer in women's sports um, and for Title IX. Uh, when I got a chance to talk to, to talk to her before the season started, she was just in such a good mood, so happy. Um, it's, it's devastating for the sports world, and she's the only person that's ever had been the head coach of FAU softball for 28 years, so it's going to be tough for them to move forward, and I want to give props to the FAU softball team for actually winning on the day they announced uh, her yep. death. So yep. it, it's a tough time, but the girls are pushing through. And, you know, she really set the standard for not only how to be a, the, the pinnacle of coaching um, for FAU, I, I think it's other, you know, I guess you could argue, argue Howard Schnellenberger, but realistically, this is the most successful coach that FAU has had, um, you know, getting over a thousand wins, um 
and I, I believe 11 NCAA tournament appearances. Um, just a exceptional, not only Bryce, like you said, um, in terms of a player being an excellent player, but excellent coach and an excellent person. Um, again, like that, the impact that she left off the field, it was, it was clear from, you know, a lot of the, the posts and the comments that people have left, um, you know, praising her. And also, I mean, even um, on Sunday when they announced it at the, at the game, it was, uh, I mean, you could, you could really hear a pin drop. So it was, it, it's, um, it's really sad. But thankfully, you know, she she definitely will not be forgotten, especially here at FAU. Yeah, I mean, she's a, a she was a true living legend, you know, just a true legend that we had at FAU for so many years. It's really like it's just hard to put into words. And yeah, she was a natural at every sport. I, I read today that she won the Connecticut State bowling title like a couple of weeks after picking up the sport. So she was just like a natural at everything and so gifted as a coach and a teacher. It's really, it's impossible to replace somebody like that. Yeah, what's been said about Joan, J- Joan Joyce has already been said, but there's one thing for certain. There will <laughs> never be another Joan Joyce, especially with the way she impacted women's sports and especially softball, which she will leave an eternal, will be an eternal, her impact will be like eternal within FEU sports. And that will conclude our segment with FEU sports. And we move on to the NBA. As we move on to the final stretch of games for the regular season, most teams might have like six, seven, maybe eight games left on their schedule. And we're starting to see a little picture in the East and Western conferences. And Miami currently reserves the top spot in the East, while the Phoenix Suns continue to uh, dominate the West as they already clinched their first spot and have home court advantage all throughout the playoffs. So, guys, uh, what do you think the play the potential playoff matchups might be as once the season comes, the regular season comes to a close? I think there's still a lot of shifting around. Um, I don't know if we can be certain because um, there's still some spots up for grabs. There's still some seating to remain. We'll see how these final games play out. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to watch, though, to see if teams decide to rest over these final games, if teams decide to push, see if people push for seeding that are closer to the top and to try and keep that top seed. But I think for both the East and the West, I think the top eight might be pretty much finalized, but I think there's a little shuffling around with seeding. And in terms of possible matchups, I mean, gotta gotta be the homer here. Go Heat. Um, I'm not sure if I want them to go against the Nets in the first round. Um, and you know, I'd feel a bit more not not saying that I, I feel like we wouldn't win that. Um, but you know, an easier matchup against, let's say, the Cavs could probably help them. Um, but then overall, I mean, when you look at some of the matchups, if Paul George, you know, comes back healthy, even somewhat healthy, you know, the Suns against the Clippers could be a really fun series. Um, you got, I mean, even the Celtics and the Bulls, 
<laughs> on on both sides, you have a lot of really good matchups, no matter how the seedings end up. I mean, this is uh, the the season's only going to get better, even though it's ending soon, unfortunately. Yeah, right. We kind of hit that point in time where the regular season games they they're starting to matter more and more, especially with the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I mean, Miami's best bet is probably keep that number one seed and play Cleveland. Um, I know Philly doesn't want to see Brooklyn, but that's the, really the marquee matchup right there, a Philly-Brooklyn matchup. Ben Simmons in Philly, you know, James Harden back in Brooklyn for a few games. Like, that. I think that's the marquee matchup of the first round, honestly. Yeah, that should, that should be a potential matchup, and I understand why people would be excited about it because they just traded with one another, traded uh, big names, especially James Harden and Ben Simmons, and it, it would just be a great series to watch overall. But yeah, as I was saying, the, the competition in the Eastern Conference has been, has been quite tight. Uh, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Celtics, one game behind the first spot. So we know it's only going to be more intense from there. And the Bulls and the Raptors and the Cavs, they're fighting to at, at the very least uh, for a playoff spot before one of them eventually falls down to a play-in. The Nets, of course, will be... Uh, very very tough as a lower seed even though their defense their defense they still have to work it out even though they just got uh Kyrie Irving back for all their home games for the rest of this season and as we look at the western conference uh we already talked about the Suns they already have the first spot to themselves the Grizzlies are well on their way to clinching the second spot the Warriors just waiting for Curry to come back uh later in April and the Mavericks trying to have home court advantage against what could be their first round matchup against the Jazz or maybe the Nuggets, who are currently the sixth seed, hold the two game advantage over Minnesota. And then we see the rest of the playing spot, playing teams, which is the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Lakers. But even then, the Lakers' spot as the 10th seed is not even safe as they are only half a game above San Antonio. So, uh, what do you think might happen? as we talk about the playoff spots in a week or so. Lakers miss the playoffs. Oh, really? I, hope. <laughs> I really hope that happens. I hope that happens so bad. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are hoping for and are just going to laugh at LeBron, but I am confident yeah. that LeBron is going to be missing the playoffs this year. The Lakers just aren't where they need to be. Even though they're getting Anthony Davis back? They're not where they need to be. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to be enough to get them to where they need to be to make the playoffs. Even a playing spot? Maybe a playing spot. Maybe, <laughs> but I, I don't know. And I don't consider a playing spot the actual playoffs. Um, yeah, I, get I don't it. think I don't think they win in the playing spots if they actually make a playing spot. But I, I don't even think they'll make that. You don't think they'll beat the Pelicans? Maybe, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. If it was uh, before the Pelicans traded for CJ McCollum, I would say, yes, they can beat the Pelicans. But after that, no. I, 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 it's just <laughs> like you can't really under, underestimate New Orleans because they do have Brandon Ingram. They, did get, they just got Brandon Ingram back. So having a duo between CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram together at full strength for the Pellies, even though they're still without Zion at the moment. Who knows if he'll even play in the play-in, but still, that duo is pretty good for New Orleans to have, 
and it should be a lot of trouble for the Lakers. So we'll I, I don't think we'll see Zion play in a Pelicans uniform again. I think he's done, bro. He's gonna get traded. Oof. I wonder I wonder which team wouldn't love to have him, Kevin. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows, man? Who knows? You know, man, there's a team out there that that traded for his best friend, Cam Reddish, and already has one of his best friends, but I'm not even gonna try to jinx that at all. So I'm gonna stay quiet on that one. But yeah, we'll see what happens from there. And with that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. And also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at 26 Pereira, for Eston, at Eston Parker, for Bryce, at Bryce Totes, and for Kevin, at KevinGar658. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.